morning everyone and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana, and with my boyfriend and co-host, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reel, once again, to 1992. The century-old vampire Count Dracula comes to England to seduce Jonathan Harker's fiancée, Mina Murray, and inflict havoc in a foreign land, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Let's get into it. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. Why did we choose Bram Stoker's Dracula? I love Gary Oldman. I love this story. I love how Keanu Reeves just gets shat the whole fucking movie. <laughs> oh. And Anthony Hopkins and his bad accent is beautiful. <laughs> 
Well, this week we watched Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. This movie came out in 1992, um, directed by the infamous Francis Ford Coppola, Ooh. starring Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, Sir Anthony Hopkins, and Keanu Reeves. This movie was made on a budget of $40 million, making it our biggest budget film that we've covered so far. Ooh. And grossed at the box office over $215 million. So it might have been a success. This was a monumental success. You can see why. Especially for the time. Mm. And much like Dracula is fueled by the lifeblood of his victims, tonight we are also fueled... But not by coffee. Not by coffee. Since we uh, decided to film this on the same night as a couple other videos and episodes, (laughs) we decided to switch over to tea. Mm -hmm. And this tea comes to us from Top of the Morning, which is a brand owned and operated by a fellow YouTuber, content creator. Jacksepticeye. Uh, this flavor is orange blossom oolong tea, mm-hmm. which is apparently a leaf soup for those on the road to inner peace. <laughs> I love it. Leaf soup. Which nobody in this film found themselves on that road. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no inner peace. Maybe after Lucy was dead, <laughs> she found inner peace. Let's try this. It's going to be very hot, though. It's very nice. That's not bad. No. I like it. And to show my dedication, and I've been watching Jacksepticeye or Sean McLaughlin for so long, I had to buy the mug, the black mug, because in this house, Matt Black rules. Matt Black everything. Matt Black everything. Courtesy of Marquez Brownlee. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you, Marquez! Um, but yeah, we haven't bought the coffee from him yet. Um, mainly because I drink more tea. We have a lot of tea in this house so much tea but this is nice and smooth it is caffeinated it's the spot yeah it's 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 cold in here i'm cold we turned the heat off because i made banana bread so we had the oven on so it got too hot it's a very small apartment so either it's fucking freezing or it's fucking hot there is no middle ground (laughs) so this is nice the hot tea is very nice because the coffee gets cold fast you notice that Coffee does it. It cools down extremely quick. It does. For some reason, like, this tea doesn't. This is super hot for a while, so I'm okay with it. All right. All right. Get into it. So this film, as you might expect, follows the story as many know it of Dracula. Count Dracula. Yep. And his constant pursuer, Van Helsing. Um. You have all of your trademark characters throughout this film. Uh, you have Abraham Van Helsing, uh, Count Dracula, Jonathan Harkness, Jonathan Harkness, Mina Murray, and Lucy Westerner. Westerner, Westerner. Yes. Those are very traditional characters, kind of. Even Renfield is worked <laughs> in. 
I only know Renfield. I know he's he's part of the character, everything, but you remember Leslie Nielsen put out a comedy Dracula, and all I remember is Dracula him dying. Dracula dead and loving it. Yes, when he's dying <laughs> as, as a bat, he goes, Renfield, you asshole! My brother and I to this day still say that to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This was my pick. Because, one, I wanted to do Interview with the Vampire. But unfortunately, we don't own a copy of Interview with the Vampire, and it is not on streaming services right now. So we have to hunt down a copy. We will find one. I'm sad because I recently watched it, but I watched it for free on YouTube. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so it was not good. No. <laughs> um, but this one is definitely... Okay, I yelled at you for watching Sleepwalkers as a kid. I watched this probably as a young adult. And, like, Lucy's having full-on sex with Dracula at one point. And her tits are just out half the movie, so. Yeah, this, uh, Coppola's take on the Dracula story, he definitely bumps up the, uh, well, enhances the, that alluring sexual nature of vampires. Oh my god, so much. Like, I get that vampires are mysterious and sexy and, like, if you notice throughout this movie, I feel like both Interview with the Vampire, Queen of the Damned, and Underworlds, the Underworld series, takes bits and pieces from this. Like, it's very surprising how much... Like, I'm watching this and I'm going, oh, there's like little thing. An interview was only like two or three years after, but I think Queen of the Damned was like in the 2000s like early 2000s so there was a lot pulled from from this i love it because it's a very like i want to say i don't know if it follows the book loosely or very closely but it does do what the book is the book is a series of diary entries i've never read the book i have it like i said last time i've always wanted to read it it's a thick it's like this big that's all of his works, but it's a it's a big commitment, and I haven't had that much time to commit to a book. <laughs> but I just I think this one is so sweet the way they do it. So this film, all right. I, I want to start off kind of by saying that the last time I watched this film, which wasn't that long ago, hmm. I didn't enjoy it. Really, the last time. I don't know, something about it just didn't hit right. I think, like, something about the performances just fell flat. Mm. Watching it this time, surprisingly, I gained a new appreciation. Okay. Um, This time, to me, the story presented very much like a stage play. Yeah, okay. The, the film is presented in a very theatrical format. Um, everything is... The performances are much more embellished as if you were... Over the top. Yeah, as if you were performing to an audience. You have to project to the back of the room, and that's like, I feel their performances were doing exactly yes. that. Um, this is a very, like, right from the opening moments, This you're introduced to a narrative by striking visuals. Yes. It's a very visual experience. Um, accompanied, of course, by Van Helsing's narration uh 
not to you, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Love you. Your accent was terrible. <laughs> he was still badass. It was still badass. <laughs> um, I, I started to read a lot more into visual choices in this mm. movie uh, this time. Uh, the first one that hit me being the Dracula's armor. In looks the like muscles. It's designed. It's very much designed to look like muscle, which to me showed his brute strength as a commander of that army. See, I didn't even read that. No, like I, it makes a lot of sense now that you say it. But my interpretation of that was that it's designed to look that way, so that when he denounces God for taking away his love and essentially gives himself to the darkness, he's breaking free of his mortal shell. Ooh, okay. becoming something far more powerful. Becoming what, like, almost the Antichrist at that point. In a way, yes. I watched the costuming and the color this time. I really wanted to pay attention to it to the point where... If someone was happy and full of light, they had bright, beautiful colors. Blues and pinks and and pastels. But as they turned to the darker side, they went darker, more seductive colors. And at one point, I noticed that Mina was the only one with a rich color on the streets of London. Everyone else was gray. And I was like, ooh. So I was like, "Is are we just seeing, seeing this through Dracula's eyes? Or are we seeing this as an observer outside? Like, she's the only beautiful thing to him anymore. That's exactly how I interpreted that. Mm. Like, we are witnessing that entire series of moments through Dracula's perspective. And, like, she is the focus of his desire. Mm -hmm. And, like, your eye should be drawn solely to her. And everyone else should fade into Mm. obscurity. Like, even his brides, they were white, they were pale, they were ghostly. Like, the bedding that they were on in that scene with Jonathan was bright, was colorful, but they were not bright and colorful. They were pale, just undistinguishable to the background. Because all life has been drained from them. From them, yep. And it's one of those things where you see Lucy and she has that fire red hair and that bright, beautiful skin and that beautiful white purple gown right from the get go. And I'm like, oh, but near the end, like she's wearing white again, but she herself is drained completely of the color. And I'm like, the colors that he chose are beautiful, are seductive themselves and equal to that of the tone of the movie, which I think is beautiful, beautiful. Small um, flaw I found just in the early moments before we get too far from it. Mm. Uh, right when Dracula comes in and sees uh, it's Winona's body splayed out. Elizabeth. 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 Her eyes are moving. <laughs> are they? Yes. Uh, and that's not a 4K release, is it? That's just a normal release on Netflix, right? I think that's upscaled. I mean... Like, at least 2K. Again, sort of like we said in Sleepwalkers, they didn't expect 4 or 8K to no. come out. So you're going to see the flaws that the director was like, yeah, whatever. It's a super small flaw, but I just happened to catch it. So I had like, to Like, hey, Winona, it. your eyes are fluttery. Stop it. <laughs> and Anthony Hopkins also plays the priest at the beginning. Yes, he does. I noticed cool. that. I was like, oh, 
Maybe Man Van Helsing's been chasing him all his life because, you know, an ancestor of Van Helsing was the one who witnessed him becoming this this darkness, this thing. Yeah. Which is like, ooh, give me a little chill. I definitely think this is a movie that's like, it's it's a visual experience. You're meant to pay attention to everything. Like, it, nothing is meant to be spoon-fed to you. One viewing's not enough. I've no. watched this many times, and I still find things to pay attention to. Um, I will still say that some of the performances in this film are great. Others suffer a bit. Can I tell you who I think does the worst? Keanu Reeves. That is my biggest note. He's no, he's young. He's young in this film. He's very young. He's still quite inexperienced. And at very small moments, I could see and hear bits of Ted bleeding through. I saw bits of Neo bleeding through. That, like, like that, that brooding kind of performance that Neo is and that will be in eight years from yeah. this time. But, like, I also see, like... Near, near, near. that guy too and it's like <laughs> like now like you look at him as john wick Ooh, ooh. no he gives me chills as john wick as jonathan harker i'm like oh look how cute he is he's probably best friends with nick cage and he's like uncle uncle um francis can my friend have a part please <laughs> i'm gonna get shot for that but whatever uh. like that performance <clears throat> suffers now Winona Ryder oh shit I love her performance and she's a young actress too like she just did Edward Scissorhands like that's still in that wheelhouse that realm and she's an amazing actress to this day the most recent thing I've ever seen I've seen of hers is Stranger Things still think she gives a great performance fun fact Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder joined forces again prior to COVID for another movie. I have to find it. It was a very recent movie, but they were in it together. And I laughed when I saw the preview for this movie. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't this like a reunion? I feel like I remember this. Oh God. Destination wedding. Oh yeah. 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 All and right. I laughed because it's Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder Two people that don't like each other going to a destination wedding and they have to get along. It's a romantic comedy drama. And when I first saw the the preview of it, it's Keanu doing the, the John Wick like, hey, yup, bye, that kind of thing. And it's Winona being like high strung and like, <sighs> like that. And I'm like complete opposites from this when they were younger or kids doing a part like almost... 20-something years later? Yeah. Like, that's... I died laughing when I saw the preview for that. I'm like, I gotta watch that. Still haven't. The thing's been out for almost four years. Still haven't watched it. Surprisingly, I think... Uh, I think Winona Ryder did a pretty solid job in she this did. movie. I think so. Especially, like, once she like started to succumb to Dracula's influence. She's good at, like, drama stuff. Like, yeah. her being sweet and innocent... She's, she's good at it, but I still think, like, she's coming off the coattails of Edward Scissorhands. She did another big part. 
Was when was the Heather's around here too? Because the Heather's is a prior. remarkable fuck fucking movie. I think it was prior. This was Heather's was yeah. Heather's I is think the eighties, so. right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I watched that movie. We got to watch it on the podcast. I don't want to say much, but I watched it for the first time and I went, "What is this?" I <laughs> I, I loved it, but I hated it. But let's get back to Dracula. You know who kind of stole this movie for me? Hmm. Uh, outside of the obvious, like Anthony Hopkins, literally he com- steals everything. He that steps man. into a, a scene and he Im- immediately takes command. And you're like, oh, here we go. But the fucking knighted actor is gonna do great, you know? Um, Lucy. Lucy is so her, good. Her fucking performance throughout every one of those little sequences is strong it's very very strong girl be damn did not care if she was fully clothed or not either she went for it she was like all right what do i need to do all right go she threw herself into those scenes going from innocent sweet to succumbing to this darkness inside of her it was incredible i don't i didn't i looked at her bio i didn't see other movies that i knew other movies I or other anything. I can't recall her from anything specifically. The one actor that stuck out on my mind and always sticks out on my mind is the Dr. Stewart. Always does because I love his accent and I love his face. And then I googled who he was and I just looked at Sean and went, Classic Loki. He's Classic Loki. <laughs> I died because you don't For you Marvel think, fans. You don't think these people are that old because you're like, wait a minute, look at that actor in Loki and look at fucking Keanu Reeves. Some age gracefully. I was like, damn! Keanu is fine fucking wine. And people will put a picture of Keanu now compared to this movie. And they're like, how is this man? A- he hasn't aged that much. It's great. It's like Paul Rudd. You could do the same thing. 90s Paul Rudd, now Paul Rudd. It's like, I'm sorry. Are you a fucking vampire? <laughs> you know? Uh... The look of Elder Dracula was pretty cool. As I I like that like he hides as this older kind of I've already given up, I'll never find this, and then he becomes his younger self once he knows that Mina exists. Yeah. It's kind of beautifully poetic. Well that that elder form it almost reminds me of like English royalty. Like it you know how they wore like the big wigs? Yeah. Like that's that's what I the vibe I get. Like it's an old school kind of like, oh, I'm still in the sixteen fifteen, sixteen hundreds. Like almost, I've never gotten out of almost it. Almost like uh the queens back then. They used to have those big Oh hair. yeah, the big hair with the ruffle. Like Lucy's wedding dress, I hate it. I that oh, is the fucking hideous. ugliest thing. But it reminds <laughs> you of something Queen Elizabeth would have worn. Like Queen Elizabeth the first, I don't remember. Kate Blanchett plays her in those movies. Yeah. That's how I can, you know, distinguish her. But she wears those big collars and those big dresses with these big statements. And she had the fire red hair. You know, and it just, that reminded me of that time period. There's so much in the moments leading up to her, like, meeting Dracula for the first time. That's like, it's literally, it, they don't shy away from the foreboding nature of it. Mm. Um, and then when you finally meet him it's even worse like the they they did one cool thing that i really well two cool things really that i i love every time i see this movie and like i wish more films would do it Mm. um first of all that coppola made the choice to make dracula's shadow an entity in and of itself what was that it literally operates independent of him. 
It does. And that is so cool. And I'm really upset that Jonathan didn't call him out on his bullshit like, hey, you're over here. Why is this asshole over here? What is going on with this? Like, I know it's a different time where it's like, oh, your eyes are playing tricks on you. You're an old castle with candles and stuff. But it's like, dude, clearly that man's over there and his shadow's over here and the candle's over over here. What's going on? Um, And I also love that the way that Dracula literally glides through flame uh frames i wonder if there was a skateboard like all right gary stand on the skateboard all right look look menacing i mean i assume he stepped on some kind of dolly truck and they just just and they just slowly wheeled him either that or he's just like that tiptoe fucking shit like fucking hell it looks so so ethereal and incredible like they did such a good job with it I have a note here that says, how do you think Winona felt lying in all of that blood in that opening sequence after he stabs the cross and the blood is just spurting and she had to lay there. She, <laughs> They had to do that in one take because oh, that would sure. have ruined that gown. That was probably like the, uh, the shining elevator type of th- deal. Oh my God. There was, I, I even put, oh God, the shining in the olden days. And of course, when Gary Oldman's character, Dracula, starts freaking out, I made a note going, oh, he's getting serious. God damn it. They're never going to stop. Oh, Gary, Gary, Gary. Gary, Gary, Gary. I also really love the mystery surrounding Dracula throughout this whole depiction. Like, mm. his origin is never truly explained in full. Yeah. It's almost like he... He called upon darkness, and he, like, made himself into a vampire at, by sheer will. And they used the 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 history, or the real history, of Vlad the Impaler, which is a terrifying history. Oh, that man was fucking ruthless. But I also believe that man was trying his damnedest to protect his people from all of these crazy armies and invading armies, and they weren't that big. So whatever that man had to do to protect his country, I might be wrong. I only know very little about Vlad the Impaler. But it is so fucking cool how they weaved real historic stuff into it. And how, again, like, Underworld weaves some of that story. I was very confused about this one, though, because he's a vampire. But he can also turn into a wolf. He can also turn into, like, a were kind of beast. So, that essentially... I uh, I kind of just dismissed that under... They, they kind of took liberties with Dracula's shape-shifting mm. ability. And they kind of used, like... There are instances and versions of the story where he, like, can become wolf-like. Like, yeah. So, I do... I think that's where they were going with it. Plus, they had his, like monstrous bat form and then like the mist which literally that monstrous bat form looks identical to the one that fucking victor and the other marcus look like in underworld i was like dude well, that they uh, underworld definitely took influence definitely from for which i think is cool because they took that which was the kind of like slimy kind of amazing like pointy and sharp edges and put it right into that yeah. I was like, that looks really, really sick. Um, and I thought that was really cool because 
as much as I enjoy really roughly the un first Underworld, the others... Wah, wah. Oh god. They're terrible. I uh I wanna kinda shout out the special effects of this movie. Were they all practical? All practical. Uh the makeup designs and the fucking uh gore effects were top oh fucking my god, notch. They were great. And you knew it was fake blood, but it was still like because the colors sometimes the colors were too bright and sometimes it was dark. But it was still, for that effect, it was still beautiful. But th that's the thing. This movie is set in such a dreary and drab time and setting that that vibrancy really it's nails it. Yeah. It's needed to have that bright vibrancy in order to pull attention to that part. Yeah. And this movie, fucking Coppola, does not shy away from some horrific depictions. You... We're talking, you have Dracula's wives literally eating a baby. Lucy getting straight animalistically fucked by a werewolf. In, a, in what looks like, <laughs> I know it's a maze, but it looks like a cemetery. It yeah. kind of looks kind of dreary and drab like a cemetery. And he uses the draping cloth around Winona and the girl that played Lucy very lightly. Like, when they are in normal society and seen by people, they are corseted and but when they are like in the night they are like very loose flowing clothing very like you can see the shapes of their body yeah and i feel like that was purposeful too to take you out of that dreary drab life thing and pull you into almost the fantasy and the romantic of what vampires can be which vampires are scary fucking things but there is something very seductive about them and it's weird yeah it is really weird um the camera work in this movie fucking outdoes itself in the greatest ways mm. one of which we see a lot of we see a lot of shots of, like, POV, like Dracula POV as he's, like, gliding up to the girls' doors at and night. And out and just, like, going across the city, and it's really... There's some debate about these shots. Okay. That I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, a lot of people saw those back in, back in 92 when this came out. And, like, Edgar Wright is, uh, actually, um, he was interviewed saying it, but, uh, that when he first saw that, he goes, he was like, fucking Coppola nicked that from Evil Dead. How cheap. Which, I, he, Coppola never would have come out to confirm it. Mm. I almost 100% believe he saw Evil Dead at some point and was like, oh, that's a neat little trick. And took I mean, it. he's right. If he did, or if he accidentally was like, what if, and didn't even realize it, it's still a really good, cool POV. Oh, it is. I mean, he did smooth ones, and he did the sharp ones, kind of like Evil Dead does. Yeah. I've never fully seen Evil Dead, so... 
Oh, he just had an aneurysm. Adding it to the list. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I know what scene you're talking about, or scenes you're talking about. And honestly, I could see he wouldn't. He would never admit it. He wouldn't. No. But I can kind of see where it comes from, and it's. I I agree. They are cool shots, and they're used constantly now, all the time. All filmmakers do them. Yep. I also really, really enjoyed the uh, his use of. Uh, compositing and overlays like it for example you see a lot of the shots early on sky. like the eyes in the sky yeah. and the he uses it to like enhance both Dracula's looming presence and like feelings the, like the character's feelings like during the scene when uh, Winona and uh, Dracula are um, they're talking and she has her back to him but then you see like this faded image of his former love between them yes and then you see an image of her f- of Elizabetha falling and she's describing how it felt how she f- how Elizabetha felt in that moment because I believe she is the reincarnation of yes Elizabetha and it's just I thought they were cheesy I didn't like some of them. I thought the eyes in the sky were corny, and I hated them. But I thought some of the overlays were really, like, necessary to the story. Well, so, overlays, like, especially compositing like that, was still fairly new Mm. at that time. Like, it wasn't utilized other than in small ways. Mm. So, like, I think Coppola was trying to take advantage of something that people weren't doing. And personally, I think he used them very artfully. Mm. Like, most people would have done it in all the wrong ways. And True. He was very, not subtle, but, like, he was careful with them. One scene that I wasn't really sure of. Which is? I think, so I have, like, the scene where Jonathan's going through the woods on the horse and carriage. I wasn't too sure what the carriage driver should have been, and I wasn't too sure what the blue fire circle was supposed to be. Was that supposed to be, like, a protection circle, or was that person driving the cart, was that supposed to be, like, Dracula's, like, presence, like, he was guiding him, like, because he can't really leave the castle grounds unless he has the earth. I don't entirely Mm. know about the the fire barrier thing I kind of didn't think too much about it because it did it's felt very corny to me like anything I yeah. could think of was like ah, that's stupid I don't think they would have meant that but uh, the carriage driver I don't know what specifically he was supposed to be but I think I felt like he was a really cool um eerie addition like the way they do that shot where he pulls up to Jonathan and he like reaches out and almost like el- like lifts him into the carriage was like mm. so it was ominous it was odd it was ominous i'm trying to like do a little research uh it was commonly believed that on a certain night of the year and uh, when all evil spirits were supposed to be unchecked, swayed 
A blue flame is seen over any place where treasure has been concealed, but it is felt to be cursed. So the locals see it as a curse. And the coachman is Dracula in disguise. I don't know. I'd have to do a little oh, more research. Okay. But because, you know, Dracula can kind of like move yeah. and do stuff. So it would make sense that Dracula would meet him in person and then go through the blue flames as kind of like a, a force field or something. Like that wasn't too explained. Like, and then you see, like, at the end, Mina has those powers a little bit too. Where she's calling on a force field to, like, cause the storm to get worse. Like, it was really weird. I think I'd have to read the book in order to understand what that was. But those were details that I was like, did those really, did that really have to be in the movie? Yeah. I feel like maybe he put them in there because it was in the book. But not necessarily, they don't need to be there. Um, something, uh, and honestly, the, the force field and stuff might add into this, but like mm. something I really felt with this movie, on this viewing at least, was like the way they depict Dracula is almost as if he is something older than time. Like he is a, he's almost like a... To most closely related, like an elder god. I was gonna say like an old one. Like, yeah. Uh, even uh, apparently during pre-production, Coppola uh, came up with the idea that like being in his presence is like the laws of physics don't work correctly. So like that's why you'll have like his shadow operates independently and like um rats run along the ceiling upside down and my liquid drips upward. Okay, alright, that would explain, like, that perfume bottle or yeah. whatever that he opened and it was dripping up and I was like, why would it do that? So it's just like, it almost, it makes him more than any vampire has ever been. And I think that, honestly, it just adds to the infamy of that character. Mm. Um, oh, when Gary Oldman starts talking to Jonathan about everything, about stuff. Yes. And he gets angry. And all of a sudden, I can't understand what Gary Oldman is saying. Because he's so, like, loud with the accent. At one point, I'm like, I have no idea what he's saying during that line where he gets, like, passionately angry talking about, like, the past. They're talking, he says, oh, why do you need ten houses in the area? And, like, why do you, why are you bringing dirt with you? Like, he's asking just normal questions that somebody would ask. And it's like, Dracula gets angry and passionate. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, Gary. You need to speak slowly. It's still the same passion, but speak, speak slower, please. Like, I couldn't I couldn't catch what, yeah. that's, what he was saying in that scene. I mean, I understand, like, Gary Oldman's an actor who gets very heavily into his roles. I think yeah. he used to be a method actor. I don't know if he still is, but, uh, like, there's actually a good example of that in uh, the like research here mm. but apparently he was the night that they filmed the scene where um he's with jonathan in the like it's like the bedroom where he's like yeah shaving. we're shaving him yeah um gary oldman was drunk during filming that and uh they actually shot that scene after midnight to kind of add to the mood of it why was he drunk 
to get into that moment. Oh, God. And then he shaved Keanu? Yeah. I'm sure the razor was dull, but still. <laughs> Neo, watch your neck. <laughs> and did you know that Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder didn't get along during this movie? I like, did not know that, no. They, uh... I don't know, apparently, like, during rehearsals, they were, like, really friendly with each other. And then, like, everybody came back from, like, the break period in between, and they just hated each other, and nobody knew why. Did they date? I don't know. I mean, I think she was dating Johnny Depp at the time, wasn't she? I don't know. Oh, I need to, I need to see. They usually, Wikipedia usually has all that shit up, don't they? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. It's not always right. Um, Carson oh. alive. I didn't ask for you, Dracula. Uh, it looks like. Well, she was dating him in 1990. Well, maybe something happened. And then she dated. Uh, band member from Soul Asylum. She dated Matt Damon? I'm sorry, you dated Matt Damon? What? What? Oh, I'm getting off topic. I gotta read that. But maybe they just had some sort of spat, like falling out. But I will say, if they didn't get along, their sexual chemistry was Whoa. fucking palpable. It makes you damn it was so good it makes me uncomfortable to watch them during that scene because i sit there and i'm like what is this feeling i'm having (laughs) i'm like i am a grown woman this should not get my engine started i don't understand um there is proof that no matter what era girls always talk about sex (laughs) Yeah, no shit. They were literally reading almost what essentially is the Karma Sutra. Basically. And giggling. And there's one scene where they're looking at a man and a woman and he's doing her doggy style. And they're like, how does this even work? You bend over and he shoves it in you. <laughs> like, it's just as the picture shows you there, Mina. <laughs> like, oh, God. oh, my God. Oh, and when Lucy says, I'm 20, I'm practically an old hag. Bitch, I'm 36. I ain't married. Yeah, but I didn't spike. I'm I'm (laughs) I'm gonna back that up. (laughs) You have to take into account that it's um, it's 1890. It's the end of like the night the 1800s. Girls were married very young. Oh, I haven't had a child, and I'm not wed, and I'm only 18. Like, come on. Oh. Oh, there's a lot of great use of reverse cinematography in this movie. Yeah, everything's inverted, right? No, Is no, that no. What no. I'm thinking? When uh, so they essentially shoot things one way and then they play it in reverse. Yeah, a lot of the stuff with like when you're transforming or when you're a vampire, they play it in reverse. Like Mina get uh, not Mina, Lucy getting back in her coffin. Oh, I love that. Or her that. like the red outfit where she's like being seduced by Dracula, yeah. essentially. It's really, really cool. Or when they're rolling the fog in. Yep. Like, it, I feel like they're rolling it in backwards. Or they're doing it in, like, reverse or something. That it's weird. fog, I feel like. Like, the green fog yeah. you're talking about. I feel like that had to be some type of a post work. 
because it's so it flows so well like and it's down and but they enhance it so perfectly with the green but it doesn't to me when you're watching this movie it doesn't take me out of it it doesn't look fake no it doesn't it look fake real. it looks fantastic and if it's real they must have used that ground stuff and then lit it properly or weirdly like ooh, i would love to know this movie actually like now that i think about it it stands as a perfect representation of the how good practical like on screen yeah. techniques work. I miss practical. Nothing, I miss them. Nothing looks bad in this movie. Nothing. It, like, actually, one shot doesn't look great. And that's uh, two things don't look great. The, bl- find a third one. the blue barrier. Yeah. I thought that looks like shit. Yeah. And there's like one shot towards the end where they knock a guy off a carriage and he's falling down a cliff. Oh, that's green screen. Yeah, that looks so Pure bad. Pure green screen. But. They also didn't think that it would be high definition in an no. 8K someday. <laughs> but, like, that's it. Everything that's it. else looks fucking yeah. fantastic. Nothing takes me out of it. Like, the only, yeah, you're right. The only thing the blue flames kind of... Because they kind of remind me of some sort of weird old Disney movie. Yeah. They take me out of it a little. Or it's like a like, video game graphic. <laughs> yeah, it looks very cheap to me. Uh, Transcontinental Dracula, seducing your women. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And then we are introduced to Lucy's suitors, classic Loki, dude I don't know from Texas, and Carrie always. As you wish. <laughs> that man walks on the screen and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, hello, Carrie. <laughs> oh. Um, and I retract, I retract my statement about Keanu Reeves' performance mm-hmm. because I was unaware that he actually spoke up about his performance in this. Uh-huh. He uh he wasn't happy with it because uh apparently he had been absolutely fucking exhausted from making several movies right on the heels of signing up for this. Oh shit. So by the time he actually got into production on this, he said he tried to raise his energy for this role but he just didn't have anything left. But it makes the meekness of what who Jonathan Harker is. I mean, he's easily it seduced. It works. I just think, and I I apologize, Keanu. You're amazing. You know, you're beautiful. Praise you, Mister. No, seriously, you're you're a good looking man. Just don't cut. Your I just beard. want you to know. Don't that. cut your beard off ever again. Good. Oh God. God. No one, no one cut their beard off. Nobody please. wants to see that. You Put the looked, beard back on you your looked, face. You looked so old. I'm eager to see the new Ted, Bill and Ted. We have not seen it yet. We've done good. Oh, we don't know spoilers yet. I know nothing about it. Nothing. We know nothing. But when I saw those post pictures, man, I was like, oh, why, John Wick, grow the beard back. I know it's back now, which I'm happy about. Yes. I mean, I feel bad if that's the case, that he's coming off the heels of other product, uh, product other movies, productions, and he's exhausted. But it does feed into the fact that I feel that Jonathan Harker is kind of a pussy. Kind of a... Like a meek kind of character. He doesn't have enough willpower to resist the ladies of the night. The devil's hoas, as they were called. Um, And he gets trapped easily. Uh, He escapes eventually. And then, if he was exhausted during the production... 
after he escapes and he goes back, it kind of is is good because in a way, like Jonathan's life essence was kind of sucked out of him. He looks older. He looks grayer. He looks duller. Yes. So it makes sense. I think Jonathan is very much just a good person. He is. Good person, but a weak person. He's just a plot device. He's not really anything Basically. but a plot device. He's a means to an end, and the end is Mina. So, One of the lines that I caught that Renfield screams is, My salvation depends on it. I thought that was a cool line. So, Anthony Hopkins wasn't originally the first choice. Who was the first Van choice? Tr- Van Helsing. Was it, hang on, was it Hugh Jackman? No. Uh, apparently, before he was brought on, the person in consideration was none other than Liam Neeson. Ooh, no. That would have been mm. a very different Van Helsing. That would have taken me away from it. Uh, okay. I don't know who you are, but I will find you. And I will ruin your movie. And apparently that blue flame effect yeah. is the only optical effect in the film. And it has to be a trick with mirrors. Everything else is practical. practically done. Ooh. God fucking damn it. God love it. <laughs> and then we are introduced to young Gary Oldman. Or, you know, dapper, long-haired Gary Oldman. Dapper. Oh, no one can play that part like him. I've tried to think of other men who could play that part. Nobody is a good looking. Like, he had to be like 30 something in this movie. Like, maybe 30, 40. Oh. That look for Dracula. This look for Dracula in this movie is so different than every other incarnation that has mm. ever been before it. Yes. Seeing him in this sleek bearded uh long hair look like it's so i don't know it, this it's alluring in a way yeah. there's something about it that's just it add, almost adds to that the mystery like it adds to his mystique a little more not to mention Gary Oldman has piercing fucking eyes <sighs> god damn sorry Sean I'm, I have a little crush on 1992 Gary Oldman I don't blame you. Fun fact. Dude was hot. Oh, still hot. Still, look at this man. Still hot. Now he, he just wears it gracefully. Oh, God. Um, he was, as it looks like, about my age during this movie. He was born in 1958. So Shit. that would have put him in, like, mid-30s during this production. Wow. He looked good for he mid-30s. Could, Jesus Christ. Wow. Look at him as serious black. You wouldn't think he's in his 50s in those movies. No, that's true. Dude. He just oh. looked very gaunt from weight loss. <laughs> I mean, Sirius has been through some shit. Seriously. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. The one line... Okay, actually, I will save this for my favorite line. So I'm going to go back. Uh, when Jonathan Harkness... Or Harkness. I'm sorry. I go to... <laughs> Jonathan Harkness. I just go to Doctor Who. To Jack Harkness. Um... He says in a letter, I feel I'm a prisoner. No shit you're a prisoner. What part of this dude can comes in and puts you in a carriage made you feel all warm and fucking fuzzy inside? (laughs) I gotta go to Transylvania in the middle of nowhere to pick up a dude to sign paperwork. 
Just send him the fucking paperwork. Why did you need to go there? The other guy came back fucking Looney Tune. Well, I don't know much about that era, but I'm pretty sure that you had to basically travel to most places to, like, establish trust. You really couldn't just go on people's word through letters. I believe trust was broken when he entered the castle. Well, yeah, (laughs) but he didn't know that. No. I have a series of from when the halls of the night. I have potion drips up, (laughs) taking advantage of the man, boobies, that Keanu Reeves nipple, and oh my god, they ate a baby. I think that nipple was fake. I hope not. That's a hard. That's a hard standing nipple, man. Keanu got those like hat hanging nipples. I think that was a fake nipple. I would be pissed if that's a fake nipple. Mostly because there was like no breathing in the chest. Maybe they were like, "Stay still. She's gonna bite your nipple." Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, Gary Oldman's laugh in that one scene. <laughs> you can't replicate that. It was perfect. How many oh. takes do you think that took? I don't know. Gary Oldman is pretty he consistent. He nails creepy. I mean, look at Lost in Space. Spied. Like, we <laughs> all hate that character. That is a movie that could have used some practical effects. Yeah, no shit. Let's not talk about that one yet. Um, There's a heavy focus on eyes in this movie. There is, because eyes are the windows of the soul. I also like. I also wonder if it's... um. They're utilizing it to... Uh, emphasize the deep connection because like when you stare into somebody's eyes it's like you're really connecting with them like when you first start dating someone how many times did you stare in their eyes versus now when you're staring in their eyes you're just trying to see how long they'll blink how long till they (laughs) blink like there were moments where i was staring in your eyes going oh my god he has such pretty eyes now i look at him like how long can we have connection? And then I'm just going to shit myself and watch you crack. When you stare now, you just think, there's no light left in there. <laughs> Except I'm like Luke Skywalker. There's good in you. I know it. You think that. Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next scene after all that is like we're introduced to the girls and they're talking about this and the suitors. Flash forward to... It starts raining and they're playing in the rain. After she gets a letter saying that he that Jonathan's going to be there for a month and she's sad. But then they start playing in the rain. Then they start kissing. So, all right. There was right around that part mm. is uh it's actually right before then when she's at the party and you meet all the suitors. Yes. I actually made a note in here about that's like, uh, right. It's that happens right after he meets John. Dracula meets Jonathan for the first time. Yes, and realizes that uh, Mina is the reincarnation. Is the reincarnation of Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Yeah. So that actually, to me, like, because during that party scene, you see like Dracula's shadow cast over the party at one point. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Right at the end, where she's like. Like, yeah, it's almost like the breath hands, gets like, taken come out of around her. her. Yeah. I, um, that was like, all right, so Dracula has now turned his gaze to her, and he is watching over her. He is, uh, 
his focus has shifted. His influence is kind of steering her a little. Which, yeah, the rain scene following that is the... That's where his influence is starting to take hold. Because, like they say multiple times, he has control over the winds and... Why would why would that make the girls kiss? Like I get it it's gets a little like perk points, but why would Dracula want that kind of like I'm asking for a friend. Like I'm I'm okay with the kissing scene, but yeah. it's more or less like I feel it's a little unnecessary. Oh, a it's t- absolutely a tad unnecessary. unnecessary. Show me tits, show me half naked ladies. Like there's a scene where that one is in two very skimpy nightgowns and you oh, can yeah. see everything. By the way, girl, you got a nice body in this movie. <laughs> All girls, definitely nice bodies. But that takes me out a little bit. I'm like, uh, I wouldn't have put that in. I would have put them dancing and playing, but the kiss kind of makes me go, I it's... don't think Dracula's a pervert. I think Dracula needs to have like that seduction points, but that's a little it's definitely like it didn't have to go that far mm. but the I definitely think the point of that was to show the manipulation show, showcase his influence seeping into their lives even though he is that far from them yeah so like basically like every time you see Dracula coming near people like when he uh when he's like coming to their rooms in their sleep or like even when uh Winona meets him on the street um, and he just looks at her and says see me you see his influence and how it affects them and it's definitely every time on a slightly arousal level mm. so like I think that that ini- that was the initial influence into their lives how much can I manipulate this kind of alright okay um so then we, the next scene we see, like, the doctor's talking to Renfield. He's very interested in the case. And then he shoots himself up with morphine. So he's abusing morphine. Yes, and I believe that was meant to be an attempt to understand the insane mind. Okay. Because yeah. he is talking about, like, wishing to tap into that level of brilliance. Because insanity is a level of brilliance. It, it really is. Like, you have to be absolutely insane to kind of think like Renfield still was very articulate he was very like clear minded but in a elevated sort of dedication level to Dracula yes and I believe that would be an explanation of Dracula's influence can also it can you know steer you a certain way but if you steer too far you can break like Dracula could have a breaking point in your mind agreed um why does Lucy have a maze in her backyard? Why the fuck not? And I guess Gary Oldman fucks like an animal, huh? <laughs> Damn. You're not kidding. Woo! We're having his beast. Oh my god. You just hear you just hear Lucy start moaning and all of a sudden you turn around going, Uh, Gary, you might want to shave. <laughs> the funniest I laugh every time slightly to myself during that sequence. At first it's like horrific to look like, at oh god I, but then the moment he like he like looks over he's to like, her mid thrust like, and he's like <gasps> don't look at me <laughs> I'm an idiot <laughs> don't see me <laughs> it's so funny it, that that one heartbreaking like just moment reminds me of the Rugrats where Stu's making a pudding at two in the morning 
Stu, why are you making pudding at three in the morning? I've lost control of my life. <laughs> just like the whole, he's just, he's just mid-thrust like, shit, I forgot she lives here too. <laughs> like, oh God. it's so funny. Um, And then the next scenes you see is them, like Mina out in public in London. I want that top hat. That tall ass top hat with that gray suit, like <laughs> man, that is oh the costume design, the dresses are beautiful, the outfits, even the guys are wearing very detailed, ornate outfits. Yes, like Jonathan wears the plain outfits, and Mina's outfits are colorful, but they get plainer too. Well, that's definitely because like Jonathan is just a simple. What is he like? A real estate he's, broker. He's a, he's a a legal clerk, or he's a clerk yeah. for a lawyer. He's a clerk. Or something. Yeah. She's a teacher. The yeah. only reason they're in these elaborate settings is because they have rich friends. Lucy's rich, and she mentions like, "Oh, Jonathan doesn't like me hanging out with you because he thinks this is going to go to my head." And Lucy's like, "Like she said, we've been friends for so long that, you know, this doesn't, this whole thing doesn't bother me. Like I love him for who he is." Yeah. Enter very rich Dracula, and her mind changes. <sighs> Literally, because he manipulates. Money always sways. Money doesn't sway me. <laughs> um, we are introduced to Abraham Van Helsing. Dude, Van Helsing's arrival oh. in this movie, like, not the first scene we see him. I mean, when he gets to he gets the house, there. straight out of The Exorcist. Oh, my God. It, you you expect the music to start playing, and then there a sudden streetlight just I, show up. <laughs> I can't not see it. It's so funny. Was God. Anthony Hopkins in the X? No. <laughs> okay. Um, and God. then <laughs> Carrie Ellis says a line. It's not my favorite because uh, my favorite has a little more meaning. But he says this line, and I giggled. Please, please do anything you can for Lucy. I'll spare no expense. <laughs> like oh my god i laugh and you watched me type it into my phone and was like <sighs> carrie i don't know if you'll ever see this but if you do <laughs> i want to be real with you for a minute i don't oh, know if anybody's ever said this to you in your life but if i ever do meet you i'm going to look you dead in the eyes like i am right now and I'm just going to tell you, now you're John Hammond. You're not going to do the famous, like, say it. Say it, Wesley, as you wish. No. Do you know what I want him to tell me <laughs> if I ever were to meet him is when he's in Men in Tights and he's he's sitting there going, I lost. Wait a minute. I lose? Like, <laughs> I lose my shit. When I see that, because that movie, Men in Tights, is amazing. Yeah. It really is. And, oh, it's, it's in the wheelhouse. <laughs> I Jesus. think that's a 90s movie. I'm sorry. I'm itching my eye. It's, like, really bothering me. Sorry. This is good for the camera, guys, right? <laughs> All right. That's good. Um, Then, I have a lot of notes. So, then we get to, like, Lucy kind of, like, succumbing to the darkness She's bit Dracula. Dracula's bit her. They've sucked each other's blood. They fucked. You know, typical Tuesday. In I don't the... think they've fucked. Did they? Lucy? 
Oh, Dracula? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the other one. No, Mina. Uh, you know, Mina was thinking about her, him and touching herself. Oh, she's thinking about it. Oh yeah. Lucy, yes. Yeah. Oh no, sure. Lucy for sure. She's got a little Oldman DNA in her. <laughs> Oldman, <laughs> Mr. Oldman. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get shot. Anyways, <laughs> um, you have those sequences, and then you have where he meets Mina in the streets. And then there's the wolf, and she takes him to, like, uh, almost like they're introducing moving pictures. Yeah. And there's, like, nude ladies and weird scenes, and I'm like, there's a lot of sex in this movie. There's, there isn't undertones. It's in-your-face kind of situations, which... I'm pretty appreciative that Francis Ford Coppola isn't like, oh, no, we're going to suggest it. No, he's like, titties, fucking seduction. Like, Dracula, vampires are... It's no fucking kidding with this shit. He uses it to his advantage. And I am appreciate he's not afraid of it. Like, this movie was probably like, really, like, that kind of thing in 92. Like This was shocking. Yeah, this was really shocking. And these guys took a risk being in this movie. Absolutely. But... Nowadays, like, oh, this is a Tuesday. But you also got to think, like, this was shocking for that time, but for an actor, this is a fucking gold mine. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie is so theatrical. It that is. It allows you to not only flex your the subtlety of film acting, but the l- large, bombastic nature of stage There's acting. a lot of big presences big like personalities even without them acting like they're sir anthony hopkins uh the guy that plays dr stewart i don't remember his name i apologize um like keanu reeves and you know uh carrie else like these are big personalities like huge huge personalities not just with the reputation of the films that they do but even personally they're big personalities so i think that richard e grant Richard E. Grant. That's his name. Well, I cannot... I have it stuck in my head that he's on screen going, we need to stay on schedule. I cannot remember what that is from. Is that Doctor Who? I know he was in Doctor I Who. I don't know. We need to stay on, stay on schedule. Like, I remember that line so, like, vividly. Oh, he's in a lot... Oh, my God. <gasps> Spice World. It was from Spice World. He plays their manager for the Spice Girls oh, in that movie. Jesus. And Sean. Oh, honey. That's 1997. Mother of God. Oh, he was also in Little Vampire. The Little Vampire. He's done a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> He's done a lot of crazy ass shit. You're going down a rabbit hole. I am going down a rabbit hole. Help me. Come back. No. Go back to your notes. He was in Doctor Who. Okay, he was not Doctor Who. My notes. Oh, yes, my notes. Because the next note in my thing is... Damn, Lucy feeling herself. (laughs) That's my next note. She's doing a lot of, like... Oh, like... <laughs> yeah, we we literally can't emphasize enough cannot... the sexual nature of this movie. Like, the, the, the differences between pain and pleasure in this movie are very... It's a very thin line. Like, super... It's <laughs> transparent as, like, cling wrap. 
like holy shit she took the men of two blood uh the oh my god the blood of two men <laughs> words leah um as a transfusion like and it still wasn't helping her so no matter what like there was no saving lucy no. she was gone um i think they also got to her too late yeah I think the only way they would have been able to really stop, like, save her is if they realized something was wrong a little sooner. But she was doing her best to kind of hide that. Yeah. And kind of live pretty plainly. Um, my next note is absent. So, Mina and Dracula are at, like, a party. I don't know whether it's, like, I feel out like of that was just like a, like a, uh, a restaurant or something. I think it was some kind of like bar, but like a private room. Yeah. And they're having absence. And you can see she's going just to kind of like, oh, I'm going to entertain him. I'm just going to go. I'm curious. And then she full on has like, like a, a brain melt. And she like realizes that she is in love with him and she knows things and she doesn't understand. And it's like, how much of this was the the absinthe trip? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's a, it kind of felt a little bit like they used absinthe as a uh, as like a a metaphor not a metaphor but like a, a alright so like as if absinthe like transcends normal alcohol which a lot of people think it does mm. and it like that was what like helped her past self slip like, back broke barriers yeah like it was interesting like when she was sitting there she was like oh okay and then all of a sudden she's having like these moments where he's like oh let me tell you about where i live and then she describes where he yeah. lives and i'm like did her mind just go and shatter like that's what i feel like the absence did it broke that last wall that he couldn't break down himself through like the the sensing and stuff. Maybe that was uh, Coppola's little um, two cents about alcohol. Mm. And then they just, if they hated each other on set, you couldn't, you tell. couldn't tell because I straight thought he was going to start fucking her right there. <laughs> that, that Their energy is palpable. And I even think, I do think enemies to lovers, it's a trope in books, in, in, in yeah. shows, everything. It's a strong trope. And I feel like when two actors kind of have a little bit of, like, tension, it kind of helps them out. Like, yeah, mm. we're not, we don't like each other, but what if? Kind it's of like they use it thing. and shift it to the other dynamic. Yeah, like, oh, I hate you so much that that, that passionate feeling is going to translate differently when we're doing a scene. Yeah. Like, if they didn't like each other, like, where they were shaking and, like, getting really close and like it 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 helped the feeling of it which if they got really close and maybe had a conversation about we have to like what if they had a conversation where it's like okay we can't get along we have to like no we can't get along it'll make the chemistry better yeah i almost wonder if they uh they drove a wedge between themselves so that purposely like it wasn't weird so it's like not like oh i have to like they make to out with my friend passionate scenes like yeah. that ending scene between them 
like I can imagine it was just probably Francis Ford Coppola and a couple other people with them because she's practically got a sheet, a sheer sheet of cloth between her and him, and he's got to be like shirtless and sexy and sweaty and yeah. <sighs> Sorry, I have my mind went somewhere. <laughs> um, also, my other note is how pent up were people in the 1890s? I... How pent up? And this is England in the 1890s. Like, well, I mean, it would probably be even worse, but like, you gotta think uh, back then, everyone essentially saved themselves for marriage, or they were they were supposed to. Yeah. They were like that was how things were done. Most people, I'm sure, didn't. Yeah, but of course. That you were, uh. What's the word I'm searching for? You were um, expected yeah. to be saved from for marriage. If you weren't, you weren't clean. You weren't worthy kind of thing, which, you were man, a whore. oh, man. <laughs> I'd rather be a whore. <laughs> um, so Van Helsing says this line to Mina when he first meets her. But Dracula has said it, too. The light of all lights. That's what he says to her. But he says that to me. Oh, Dracula says that to Mina in one of their meetings too as well so it's almost like dracula and Val- van helsing thinks like dracula he's like oh okay i know why he likes you kind of thing well i mean if you go based off of uh that van helsing's distant relative was there when dracula was born born yeah um you'd have to take into account that like that probably came from his family line that that's turn of phrase that's and it's true. probably been passed down so Dracula would know it being so close to that family lineage but Van Helsing would have learned it through through his ancestors teaching. that would make sense too oh uh, let's see I love that there's a connection there too yeah like that it's possible that their family lines had known each other for generations for generations and his great, 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 great decades, centuries old re- relative was like, no, study this man, you know, find a way to defeat this man. And it was finally Abraham Van Helsing who was able to do it. That's really cool. Um, Lucy's tits are always out. Like, I always have that. Bo- uh, her boobs are always out. But I think she was dead by then. No, she wasn't dead yet. No. Um, He says to the guys that... Um, the devil's concubine, the bitches of the devil, the whores of darkness, which I don't quite understand why Dracula has women or wives. I mean, I know there's three wives of Dracula. There's always been three women. That's always been a part of the lore. And it's kind of funny because you just played Resident Evil Village. And even Lady D has three daughters, and they're three differently distinct-looking daughters. Right. So even that, where people associate them as vampires, and we know they're not. That that has to do with the, the game. But even that influence is there are three daughters of darkness. Yeah. Which always is, like, a theme in any kind of Dracula-esque story, which I don't know the legend behind it, but I think it's still kind of cool. It is really cool. It's interesting. Like, I honestly think it comes from, like, Dracula essentially luring in companionship. Mm. 
Like he's never been able to find his his love, Elizabetha again. So, so he fills he's the replacing void. it with. But even they said like, "Oh, will you be feeding us? You know, will you not love us? You'll never fall in love. You'll never find love." And he's like, "No, I found it." Yeah. Like fuck you, girls, I found it, kind of thing. But um, Van Helsing also says, "My strange friend." I wrote that down, and I forgot what he says that too. Um. At one point, <laughs> I wrote this down. I said. I didn't know Palpatine was in this film. <laughs> I forget which which scene it was. I wrote it down thinking, I'm like, yes, no, that's going to be great. Um, Oh, when he's in the window looking at oh, Lucy yeah. while she's finishing turning. And then all of a sudden the whole room explodes in blood because he's attacking her as like a wolf form. Yeah. Um, And it's just him at the window. And it's like, I expect him to go, I am the Senate. Like, because he's got the hood on and shit. <laughs> Uh, the glass coffin was interesting. Everything is a visual choice in this movie. It's, be- it's like, stunningly beautiful. Gorgeous. Um, that's another one of my favorite lines. I'm going to skip that one. Um, once Jonathan escapes, you can see that Jonathan is just gaunt. His hair is gray. Yep. He's skinny. He looks like he's on death's door. He's been through the fucking mill. Yep. <laughs> he's been through the ringer. But yet, um, and Van Helsing says this to him to his face. He's like, oh, when you were when you were um, with the Daughters of Darkness and, and doing your infidelities, like, he didn't choose this. He was seduced by darkness, basically. Right. So I think infidelity is the wrong word. Yeah, I'm sure it is, but Van Helsing, especially in this depiction... He's sharpened to the fucking point. He's, yeah, he's very uh, tactless. Yes. No, no, no tact. None. Um, yeah. <laughs> My next lines are, wow, that's an angry angry Wesley. <laughs> oh, she threw up blood. Um. Oh, we beheaded her, then we ate ham. <laughs> is it just rude? I don't understand the throwing up blood, but it goes back to the exorcist thing. <laughs> oh, God damn it. It really does. Like, he's the, his entrance was exorcist-like, and then she puked blood on him. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Renfield, like, knowing that Renfield is just fucking screaming this whole movie. Master! Master! Literally every time you every see him. Every time you see him. Like, Renfield has no purpose but to be, dude, you are annoying. Shut up. Like, I do. I do really love that they kept the element of him eating bugs. Yes, that has always been there, and I'm so glad it was at least. It's still, still there. Like, to touched this day. on. Once Dracula is defeated, do you think Renfield's sitting there going, "Oh God, oh, oh God, I've been eating bugs. I'm here. Help me. Get me out. I'm done." I don't know. I don't know if that like comes from insanity or what that's all about. Mm. I don't know enough about the Dracula lore specifically. Yeah. Um, so we get to the very seductive scene. Um, the doctor tells Mina, oh, you'll be safe in my office. How safe is she with you with a fucking open window facing the Abbey? Uh... I'm sorry. They make sure she's in place with bars and windows and everything and the fucking window is just wide open out to the abbey they don't make very smart choices make, throughout none any of, of this. them make good choices um 
And then my next comment is, oh, wow, he did. Oh, he Renfield. Did. Oh. When he kills Renfield, like, he just fucking just boom, throws boom, him into boom. the bars. Like, holy hell. Kind of like something out of, like, a fucking horror movie. <laughs> well, it is a horror movie. I thought that this scene between the two of them was very passionate, very heartbreaking. Because not only does he, like, want her to be with him, he breaks down and says, I'm Dracula. I'm the darkness. Like, I'm dead. Like, there's no life in my body. Like, I want to be with you, but I don't want you to do this. And she freaks out on him, like, you took Lucy away. You caused Lucy to die. But then she's like, but I still love you. I still want to be with you. And it's weird because you can see the old Mina kind of peek through and trying to break it. But that his seduction is so strong that even he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. He's trying to push her away. And it's just and she won't his let him. power is too strong at that point. Like he has a breaking point where he's like, I don't I can't do this. I, I shouldn't do this. And she's like, too bad. Like, even if he has like a little bit of a redemption there, it's gone because he's so powerful and then he just kind of is like all right well if you want this here's my tit go ahead like start sucking blood or whatever and he rips himself open like yeah. here but that scene was very like powerful performances powerful and uncomfortable because it gets very erotic too yeah that like it, if they hated each other on set man you wouldn't have known it it was it was very convincing oh they uh they good. They good. I even put like this is making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I realized this movie is very good, but very long. This oh, movie's it's very long. long. Like all the p- pieces are necessary to develop characters and to like go, but there just feels like some parts are a little too long. Like not necessarily too long, but they could have shaved a couple of seconds on some scenes to make it a little shorter. But I believe Francis Ford Coppola is a director that does things with intention. So he intentionally pushes the uncomfortable scenes. He intentionally pushes the character development. So you get a better story overall. This is the this is the filmmaker we're talking about that brought you the entire Godfather trilogy. I have never seen any of the Godfather. The the long ass movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I've heard the um the famous horse head in the bed. Yeah. Like, that just made me go, I don't think I'll watch these movies. You can't go against the family, Leah. Oh, God. I'm going to go against the family <laughs> just so you stop that line. I'm never going to stop. Mm. <laughs> it's never too funny. Gonna stop. Never going to stop. Um, and then the final scene is just, like, kind of crazy. They go to, they're trying to beat Dracula back to Transylvania. So he's on a ship. And they're thwarting him at every pass because, kind of like Harry and Voldemort, he can read Mina's mind. And whatever they're saying around Mina, she can, not even with, not without trying, she can just display what's going on. Sort of like how Voldemort and Harry had that connection. Like, Voldemort didn't really understand it, but by the end he knew that, oh, what Harry was doing. So he can kind of be a step ahead of him. And I think that's kind of cool that there was a little bit of drama with that. But when they were like, oh, if we go by train, you know, the boat, da, 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 that boat would have taken month, like a month or two to get there. It would have been a couple days, it would have been a couple months. So I'm kind of like surprised, but like you said, he can control the elements. So he could have pushed the boat along a little more, or caused like problems with like the train and stuff. 
but it's just that kind of takes me out a little, little bit because I think logistically in shipping and like logistics stuff yeah. and I'm like that would have taken months <laughs> like that doesn't make sense even back then that would have taken even longer <laughs> but I digress and I ramble <laughs> oh what other notes do I have uh, Mina becomes a decoy so basically like she's at the point where she's very close to turning like she's got maybe like what a day until she's fully a vampire and yeah. they can't get her back she's already showing signs of pushing Van Helsing away and like the the daughters of darkness are trying to like seduce Van Helsing and kind of get him away to get her um and then there's the whole chase thing which that's kind of it's a lot yes, I wish that big action cluttered scene very cluttered i wish it was a little bit longer and a little bit more thought out yeah i wish they would have taken out some of the train sequences like they could have narrated it without showing us some of them and then made that last sequence a little bit longer yes um but as you know there's a fight da, da, da. the texan dies poor texan poor quincy but you know at least you know classic loki and wesley get out alive yes uh van helsing is done but mina has to be the one that finishes off dracula herself and then he realizes that you know nope it's my time to go you're gonna keep living so by the end she plunges the knife deeper and cuts his head off and we don't know what happens next so there's actually something that stood out to me about that last, those last few moments. Mm. Um, I don't know how much that I'm reading into this or anything like that, mm. but so you have Dracula's been stabbed essentially in the heart. He's not. He's dying. Yeah. Um, they retreat into the church where it all started, um, and they're forced with that moment where he basically begs her to let him die yeah. and find peace. So she plunges the, what was that, a sword? Yeah, it looked like, like a sword. Deep, like, fully into his heart. And it's the, like, last killing blow. And you see this moment where he, as he falls dead, essentially, like, so he's laying there and, like, his, his head kind of, drops back and then you see like this light come over his eyes yep and he looks upward and dies that way i actually learned this from another film altogether but there's actually a circle of belief okay in i believe it's i think it's technically in christianity it's like certain branches of it that that look signifies um this it's like essentially the sign of the martyr okay which um is when when you die under such an extreme circumstance at that and like you you essentially are graced to stare into the face of god as you die mm. and like there's another movie that we'll never get to because it falls out of the wheelhouse, but it uh, the movie's called Martyrs. I saw it uh, back when I was in, right after high school, I think, and uh, 
it's all about it essentially becomes all about that mm-hmm. idea and like that like that movie is about like a group of people that's searching for that and it's um this it's like I don't I don't know if that's what Coppola was going for there but that's how I read it mm. as he, like when he died he his like I, uh, I don't know how to explain it it's really hard but he was met with the presence of God like an affirmation that everything he went against was real okay and like cause throughout the whole movie he like he even says to where is God now kind of thing like he says yeah he says to uh, Jonathan right when he sees the cross for the first time he's like don't put your faith in such trinkets like cause he doesn't believe in it yeah and like I took that last moment as God showed himself to him to prove him wrong I saw it differently I thought that at that moment that when she plunged the dagger deeper into his heart and he was dying she was no longer the reincarnation of Elizabetha. She was the one staring down at him pulling him towards heaven. That's what I thought. That still falls into it though. It does still fall into it where God or Jesus essentially could show the form or be like show your form to him and welcome him back into my graces or something. Even if it wasn't God themselves, like her revealing herself to him would be affirmation that he was wrong. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's a powerful final message. Yeah. And I could definitely see Coppola doing that. Yeah. The, from other, the, the storytelling that Coppola does in other movies Definitely, definitely, to where this is kind of like, this is the extreme of going against God and then coming back to God, like, let me go, let me have inner peace. God's like, all right, you don't have to be a curse being anymore, come on up, you know, that kind of thing. But, yeah. And I want to, pre- uh, not preface, I want to um, back this up by saying that, like, I don't think that it was a sp- meant in a spiteful way mm. like god wasn't saying hey fuck you i'm real like, yeah, like fuck you kid. to anybody that yeah. actually has faith in any of this um i personally see that as god conf- not just he's confirming his presence but forgiving him yeah i <laughs> even though he has done unspeakable things i also see it as god going you done being a little shit now? Come on. Come <laughs> up. It's okay. I'm done being pissed at you. Come on up. That's what I see it as. But I'm a little, like... Look, I don't put faith or stock in any of that. No. But I do think that, that it's, a, it's an act of mercy. It's an act of forgiveness. Yeah. Which, if all of these religious uh, people are correct, like, God is supposed to be all-forgiving. Mm. And that... Definitely comes even, through. Even, you know, fucking the devil himself or one of the devils of the world could be forgiven. Yeah. In God's eyes when he's dying and goes yeah. up to the pearly gates of heaven or whatever. I don't know. 
Uh. Anyways, backtrack, back, back the end of it. And then that is it. We don't know what happens to um well she lobs his head off. So she does still like uh uh-huh, don't trust this you know. She still takes his head off, which is a very vampire thing to do. Well, it's the it's the rules that Van Helsing set in place yeah. there. Stab him in the heart and yeah. uh chop off the head. Yep. So, yeah. That is... Any other thoughts before we get into the closing questions? No, I've definitely, definitely covered a lot of the <laughs> so, my comments. Then what are your overall thoughts of the film? This film is a great film. It is not an amazing film. Because it does have its flaws. It could be the, you know, I say it all the time, could be the sign of the times. Could be because we have films kind of on the same like wavelength that are much better for the time this is a beautiful movie like like cinematography costumes the colors gorgeous the story i've never delved deeper into the book i know it's like diary entries throughout the whole thing it's not a traditional storytelling so what francis Ford coppola did with it in the beginning it is the diaries and then fades more into kind of like a narration of it um it's a it's a good movie it's a great movie it's not amazing it has its flaws but still pretty pretty great um all right so for me personally this movie it's it hasn't always sat well. Yeah. As I mentioned before, like it, it never really hit me until this viewing. Like this is a very strong narrative effort. I think Coppola created something that was it, it's it all intents and purposes it's a visual masterpiece. Mm. He uh he crafted something that's not just your standard Dracula adaptation. It's yeah. this is more like a stage play than a film. It the performances throughout from basically everyone are fantastic. Um, he pushed the envelope in terms of content, mm. practical effects, visual effects. He's he created something that I don't think is ever going to not be impressive mm. for the time. Um, sure, I'm, you could make things look better today, but I think with practicals at that time, he no. he outdid himself. Mm. Favorites. My favorite favorite lines are Dracula says children of the night children of the night what sweet music they make I think that's very beautiful that's very poetic I myself am a huge fan of the noises that you hear at night like down to like the rain the wind blowing through the trees you hear the peep toad. We get a lot of peep toads in the summer over here, so you hear that that weird little croaky noise. Uh, we sometimes get cicadas, grasshoppers. You know, you hear those beautiful noises of the night. But 
in the film, it's the wolf howls. It's the the crows cawing. It's the it's the strange noises. It's the music that the night makes, and I think that's a beautiful, beautiful line. My other favorite line is he looks at Van Helsing looks at Lucy's fiance and says, or no, looks at Doctor Stewart during the funeral for Lucy and says, "What? I just want to cut off her head. I didn't take out her heart." Like I think that's that's a great line. Like you're just like in the middle of her funeral, going, "Well, she's right there. Why can't I cut her head off and just rip her heart out just here while she's wearing pure white and everybody's mourning her?" It's a very to the point Van Helsing line. Like, no, we gotta get it done. Like, it's she's right here. What's what what what's stopping you? Little tact man. Ah, tax for losers. That's a vampire. She's gonna suck all your blood. Let's go. Like, <laughs> I love that line. Two very different lines. Like, one's a very beautiful meaning line, and the other one's like, 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 like she's right there. Why? Fine. Fucking say goodbye. We'll do it later. We'll break into her fucking mausoleum and kill her. Like. <laughs> My favorite scene, and such a pervert, my favorite scene will always be Lucy getting fucked in the maze. I just think it's like this beautiful, innocent, cute girl getting hammered by a monkey wolf dude. Just like, I am a pervert. <laughs> beautiful, wonderful movie, Francis Fort Coppola. I like the fucking scene. <laughs> I don't think that's what he had in mind. <laughs> What about you, babe? So, I only wrote down two favorite lines. Mm. Um, one of which I share with you is the, uh, no, no, not at all. I just want to cut, cut off her head and cut out her heart. Yep. Like, that's absolutely hilarious. Poetically beautiful. Um, the other is, uh, I have crossed oceans of time to find you. Oof. Which actually apparently is uh Gary Oldman said that when he first read the script he did described it as being worth doing so that he would have a chance to say that line wow to, to someone and he delivers it so beautifully he looks it deep into her eyes and powerful. he's just like I have crossed oceans, oceans of, of time, time to, to find you. you it feels like a line you would hear at a wedding yeah. It really does. And as two people who've been to two weddings in a week and a half. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not mentally in a lovey-dovey no. mood, but that one made me go, I would fall in love with you, Gary Oldman. Please come here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, like, literally is like, ooh. Um, and I think my favorite scene in the whole movie is the, uh, that last, um, sequence that sequence where she where he comes in through the window is missed and then they have like she drinks his blood yeah that whole it's, scene it's powerful is very strong and is like the best performances in the whole movie that would be my favorite if it didn't make me a little like uncomfortable it still makes me it's, uncomfortable see, but i like that it has that effect yeah like it is that strong it is strong and is passionate and it makes me goosebumpy uncomfortable like yeah ooh, like it's really like you shouldn't be watching it. <laughs> no, but it's really good, and I, I think that's my favorite scene. Mm. Personally, does it work? Yes. 
yeah it's visually stunning like you said it's I don't know if there's a score to it because I'm too engrossed in the actual story and the visuals to even notice the music of this movie. If there is music, there I is. apologize. Um, but yes, it does. It does work. It's a period piece, so even if they did it now, it would still work. It would just be done with different actors and maybe, maybe more of a sharper tone. Maybe it might be more unsettling. Maybe it, it would delve deeper into showing a lot more of the seduction and the passion and the anger. Um, I personally think that this movie works. I don't agree that... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cover that in the next question. Okay. But I think this film still works. Visually, um, emotionally... Uh, just narratively I think this film is still as strong today as it was then yeah I don't think it's as like shocking because mm. we've seen so much worse now Game of Thrones <laughs> fuck Game of Thrones alright <laughs> um, but this yeah, I, I've seen darker versions of Dracula than this now, and but this still hits home on every. It fires on all cylinders. It, it does. Does everything it should and more. Um. Personally, I would dis like if I were to describe this to somebody. Um. And you, this bleeds into the next question: Do you recommend it? I do. I absolutely would recommend this to anyone. And I would recommend it with the caveat of, like, I would describe this to somebody as this is an illustration of what the Dracula story has always been at heart. A great and haunting tragedy. I would recommend this to certain people. There are certain people that I wouldn't recommend this to. I feel like people would be, still be shocked by this today, but I also think that this is hauntingly beautiful. Like, the Dracula story is very tragic. Like, even, like, the silly adaptations of it, like, there's still a very deep story behind the Dracula legend. It's a heartbreaking legend that this person was just so betrayed by their faith, by their dedication, that they became a truly horrible monster. And I always recommend any iteration of Dracula, no matter what it is. Any iteration of vampires. Lately, a lot of vampire movies suck. There are a few vampire no movies. No pun intended. No pun intended. There are a few that are very beautiful. And I feel like all vampire movies are very haunting. And they're very sad. Because, yes, you have this beautiful immortal life and you can love and experience things, but you'll never be complete. You'll never be whole. You will always watch the people around you die. You essentially are the undead, but you have to watch everything die around you. That is tragic. Like, people have always said, oh, I'd love to, like, oh, what's one thing you wish you could be? Oh, I wish I could be immortal absolutely not i want to die someday i never want to be stuck in this 
essential time loop of you have to watch like you have to make the friends you have to go through the life and then you have to watch them die and you gotta do it all over again like that's sad if i were to ever choose immortality it would also have to come with the caveat that i could choose to end it at any time like oh yeah no one could kill me but i could kill myself at any time i have an out there would have to be some kind of out which i mean vampirism does have outs it does it just requires you to lose your hand (laughs) How would you make this today? I'd be a lot more graphic. A lot more in your face. A lot more passion. A lot more sex. But a lot more anger. A lot more like I would have Jonathan Harkness be an angry character. Know that he's been tricked. Try to go through all this. Like I would make Dracula a lot more like... emo i think that's the best way i don't have a word right now it's kind of late sorry (laughs) so uh, my brain's not firing the way it should with some words but i would make him more tragic more like oh my life woe is me so when he found mina it would be like the light in his life came back like the sparkle in his eyes came back things like that um Side note, the only vampire movie I would never recommend is Twilight. Any of the Twilights. No matter what. Those absolutely suck, pun intended. But I would remake this kind of the same way. I wouldn't take it out of the time period. I wouldn't make this modern. I mean, they tried to do it with Dracula 2000. And I was kind of like... Listen, I don't want to talk about fucking Dracula 2000. I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like I have seen it. And I feel like... Somebody who I've watched in the la- not in the labyrinth. I'm sorry, in Lord of the Rings or Hobbit is in it. Probably. But I, I'd do the same thing, same time period, same colors. But I'd make more. I'd put more passion and more heart into it. So this is gonna be another one that I personally wouldn't touch with a fucking ten foot pole. <laughs> um, not for any reason other than the fact that. The story of Dracula has been beaten to fucking death. And honestly, I'm just tired of it. Like, this movie is phenomenal. There are other iterations that are phenomenal. One that comes to mind is the... I think it's a Netflix series uh, just called Dracula. It's very new. um, But I watched the first couple episodes of it, and it is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to finish it, never had time. But there's there's no need to keep telling this story. It's been told perfectly so many times and imperfectly so many times. <laughs> Fucking the Hammer films have beaten Dracula's legacy into the ground before we, we ever had a chance yeah, to see it. Before we were even born. It's it's something that just has been done to death and like honestly anybody that would try it today would only try to modernize it and it would just be shitty yeah i don't think it needs any more would you consider this exploitation or other no no it's more of a a romantic horror romantic thriller uh, if you put in an exploitation as vampirism, maybe, but that's kind of stretching it. This is a, a sad love story 
set in a time period like eh, no I wouldn't I would not call this exploitation at all I completely agree this th I wouldn't call this exploitation this is a big budget version of a classic story it's exploitation of Dracula this man's getting uh. this man's getting extorted <laughs> this this legend it's uh this is an art piece through and through. Yeah. This is not... This is a love letter to what filmmaking can achieve with a really big budget and a really creative mind. Yes. I fully agree. And that is going to bring this discussion to its end. Mm -hmm. To its brutal, bloody, headless end. <laughs> But don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon is the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space. There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Shit has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been? And what it's brought back with it. The ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? No. I have such one thing to show you. Oh my god. It knows my secrets. <laughs> it knows my fears. Vacate, I want off this ship. Why, oh why, in the hell are we jumping into this next? Because no one can hear you scream in space. I... Infinite space, infinite, infinite terror. Yes, I <laughs> fucking... And you know why I love this movie? Because I loved Sam Neill in Jurassic Park in 93. 
And this was on HBO one night when I was like 15, 14 or 15. And I remember being scared out of my bloody fucking mind. And then right before COVID hit, I bought the special edition from Screen Factory. This took a year to come in because they were trying to find the lost footage from the salt mines. They never did. All of it was too corrupt. I have watched all the features on it, but to this day, <laughs> it has some of the worst special effects. <laughs> and <laughs> the acting in some of it is terrible. So I think it's perfect. Ah. <laughs> uh... Event Horizon. Event Horizon. This one, I'm not going to lie, it's going to be fun to talk about, I think. Oh, you're going to rip this movie apart? No. No? uh, I've seen this movie countless times at this point. I actually quite enjoy it. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be a good next step in this podcast. Um, I mean, Lawrence Fishburne. Sam Neill, and then the blonde chick, who I can't remember her name. The one that I always, like, half think is Laura Dern, and it's not Laura Dern. Jolie Richardson? Possibly. Possibly? I I don't know. I could be wrong. But this is what I would consider Paul Anderson's only good film. (laughs) Ooh, see, I like Resident Evil. I love the whole series. I do. So I think this is his okay one. <laughs> we have very different opinions. Oh, yeah. We're going to clash a little bit on this one, I think. This one? Probably. Because you'll be surprised at what I really think of this movie now that I'm an adult. Because uh, I watched this movie 20 years ago for the first time. So if you haven't seen Event Horizon... I recommend giving it a watch before you listen to the next episode. Oh my god, we're going to rip this apart. We really are. We are going to piece by piece dismantle this. And it's slightly cosmic horror Lovecraftian, which, I don't know, Uh, if you can tell, is just kind of our thing. (laughs) Cosmic horror is one of my favorite horrors. Yep. But for more recommendations on films and coffees that you should check out, uh, or if you want to see our movie collection or some fun behind the scenes stuff um if you want to chat with us recommend us some movies uh check us out and follow us on facebook and instagram at grindhouse podcast we're on twitter at grindhouse cast um you can find us on discord where you can actually chat with leah hey because i don't use discord i have discord on all of my devices (laughs) (laughs) Um, all the links for everything are down in the show notes. Um, listen to us and please give us a rating on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. The ratings actually really do help. They let us know if you enjoy what we're doing and they get us to boost our you know presence, please. get more people to listen. Uh, new episodes can be found first thing every Monday morning. If you're listening to the podcast and you want a more visual experience, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can watch every single episode in its entirety with video. And you can see us <laughs> acting all stupid like. If you like what we're doing here and you want to show us some support, 
All that information is going to be down in the show notes as well. Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thank you for listening.